morning, good morning, good morning. If anybody ever wondered why we needed to expand our sanctuary, I just want you to look around. Just a few seats left up at the top. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He is risen. He is risen. Indeed, our Lord reigns. It is so awesome to get to experience Easter weekend with you guys. We're ecstatic that you're here at all of our campuses. As a matter of fact, all of our campuses, 13 services. We're praying this weekend for 10,000 people to worship with us at all of, all of the different venues. And we're thrilled that you chose to spend Easter with us. It, you make our worship service more meaningful by your being here. And I want to tell you what God spoke to my heart this week as so I was praying for this weekend. God is just as much at work this Easter as he was the very first Easter when he raised his son from the dead. Do y'all believe that? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and our God is at work. And we're thrilled that you're with us. No matter if this is your first time or your 1,000th time, we're ecstatic that you're here. It's exciting to us. And let me tell you, with, although there'll be thousands across Faith Promise Global, let me tell you what, for many of you, hundreds of you, this weekend is a divine appointment. You are not here by accident. Because hundreds this weekend will experience the resurrection power of Jesus. Not to a religion, but to a new life. John 10, he said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Now, how many of you have experienced new life of salvation? Somebody give us a shout in the house. Come on. All right. Now, I don't know about you, but I got saved uh, 31 years ago. I hadn't gotten over it yet. I am so ecstatic at all that God has done and how he has moved in our lives. So what we've done is because we knew many of you were coming this weekend, we added extra services. Many of our people came Friday night so that there would be free seats in this service knowing it would be our largest single services. Now, some of you are here this weekend. Some of you, were, you they drug you here. Some of you, some of you were bribed to be here. Some of you were begged to be here. Some of you were cajoled to be here. And let me alleviate your fears because I know what you're worried about. Guess what? In 30 minutes, we'll be done. Because <laughs> let's be honest now. Come on. Come on. Many of you are wondering, how long is that guy going to preach? Come on. He ain't got started. He ain't over his Bible yet. What's the deal? 30 minutes, we'll be out of here. But what if you experienced God this weekend? Just what if Easter 2013 was your miracle? What if God moved and you experienced God for the very first time? Because let me tell you something about it. You will never, ever be the same. I wasn't. As a drug addict and a dope dealer in a hospital bed after an overdose, Jesus came and he saved me and he healed me and he resurrected me. And man, let me tell you, it's been a rocket sled ride. So let me pray for you. God, we rejoice at all the believers this, that we get to celebrate with this weekend. It's exciting. We get to worship and we get to, we know the word, but God, there are hundreds of people, many in this room, in this service that you have brought here for such a time as this. This is their time and this is their day. And God, I believe you're going to open up their eyes to their spiritual condition. I believe that you're going to move. We ask you to move. We've already believed that you've already done it so many times over the previous services and today and yesterday and Friday. And now, God, I ask you to supernaturally open eyes, restore hearts, bring a restoration, bring healing, and let today be new life for hundreds of people in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Let me tell you what Jesus said in regards to his death. In John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus 
said this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He echoes this same thing in John chapter 12, verse 32, when he said, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. What Jesus was doing is he was revealing to his disciples that his death was imminent and that it was soon. Not only was it imminent and soon, but he would die upon a cross. They believed him to be the Roman conqueror, that he was going to conquer the Romans. That's what they thought, and he was going to deliver Israel. But that was not the plan of God. And so Jesus, because they didn't quite get all this, in John, in John chapter 3, again, 14, 14, he said this, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. See, these, these Israelites in this first generation, as Jesus is, again, revealing his death and all that, they, they understood when he said, as, the, the, as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. They got this. They understood this. They knew exactly what this meant. So we're going to rewind the tapes. 3,500 years. And we're going to look at a story that was very familiar to the Israelites, but for many of us, it's not, because most of us get our Bible through TV, because this story happened in the Exodus, and we've all seen Charlton Heston, or in the last few weeks, you've watched the Bible. And, but let me tell you, that only hit the very few highlights. On the journey from Egypt to Israel, something happened in Numbers 21, of which Jesus Remarks. Now, the Old Testament are types and shadows of things are going to happen in the New Testament. So this story is a foreshadowing of what is going to happen. That's why Jesus related it in John chapter 3. This is what's going on. Verse 4 of Numbers 21. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient because of the journey. Do, do you know, or is anybody in the house impatient? Matter of fact, are you sitting next to someone that is impatient? Just turn around and say, he's preaching to you. All right, so here we go. Verse 5, the people spoke against Moses, God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from the land of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, no water, and we loathe this miserable bread. So what are they doing? They've got a bad attitude. They got a, because they're impatient, because of the circumstances, that bad attitude turns into bad actions, which are sin. They begin to rebel against God. They begin to rebel against, against Moses. Everybody's angry. All this stuff is going on. And then in their rebellion, they sinned. And the only thing that the scripture is clear about from Genesis through the revelation, we reap what we sow, right? Right? There are consequences. Now, we were just like they were. The Bible says that they rebelled. They sinned against God. Have we not all sinned? There's none righteous, no, not even one. Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do y'all believe that? Now, if you ever wonder about the sinful nature of man, all you have to do is have kids. Because once you have had kids, you understand that those little suckers are born with a nature towards sin. Come on, aren't we? Who taught your kid how to lie? Well, his rotten, rotten daddy did. No, before his dad ever got to him, who taught him? It was, it was standard equipment. Who taught your kid to take toys from other toys? Nobody did. See, we're sinners by nature, right? And we're sinners by choice. And so because of that, there are, there are consequences, it says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin 
is death. We've all said we've sinned, and now what we get paid for is death. Look at what happens in the story. Now, God is angry, verse 5, because they're obeying. Verse 6, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. See, the consequences of sin. They were dying. God sent serpents in there to them. Now, that's a mean-looking sucker on that pole, isn't it? Now, I'm glad we're in the New Testament and God doesn't send snakes anymore. Because if that thing crawled into my bedroom, I'm going to have to sacrifice Michelle. I'm... <laughs> so that I can escape. I mean, I'm the pastor. You know, I've got it. I'm just doing it for y'all. But uh, <laughs> not really for me. I mean, come on, let's be real. That wouldn't be right. And so, the, so there's a consequence for their actions. God is angry. He sends these snakes. And then God does a miraculous thing that God always does. Don't you see what God does? God opens their eyes. In verse 7, so the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you intercede with the Lord for us that he removed the serpents from us and Moses interceded for the people. Hey, we've sinned. Listen, it takes a God act to open our eyes that we've sinned, doesn't it? How many of you are married? Let me see your hands. How many of you are married? How many of you that are married or were married have ever been in a fight with your spouse? Come on, now there's some liars. I see that right now. Bible says liars burn in hell. Now this is the deal. Now, Michelle and I are spiritual. We're pastors. We don't do that. We don't fight, but we do have intense fellowship at our house from time to time. And, and, when we, <laughs> and when we engage in that spiritual fellowship, both of us are right. And the only way for some to admit they're wrong is God has to enter in. And so because we all think we're right, don't we? You wouldn't be arguing if you didn't think you're right. So, so that's what goes on. God opens their eyes. There's a realization There's a a revelation, and so they see that they've sinned, and they cry out to Moses. Moses, Moses, intercede for us. See, Moses was the prophet of God. The Bible says there will be another prophet that will come like Moses that will be greater, and it was a foretelling of Jesus that would come. And so so Moses goes to God. Moses is praying. And and verse 8, God speaks. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. Set it on a standard. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made the bronze serpent and set it on the standard. It came about that if the serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, let me tell you about God. God always makes a way out. God always makes a way out. That is just the good, gracious God that we are. He always makes a way out. Now, again, notice the plan. Make a bronze serpent, put it up on the pole, and if anybody looks at it, they'll be healed. Let me tell you what, I want you to notice what is required in this plan. Are you ready for Listen, I am. Faith is required. And if God is involved, when it's part of God's plan, faith will always be required. You say, but I don't like faith. I'd rather have math. I'd rather have two plus two is four. Faith, when it comes to God, is always required. All you had to do was look at the bronze serpent and you would be healed. That's all that you had to do. And so what's, what's going on? Man, the stakes have come in. People have been bitten. Their people are dying all over the place. We don't know how many died because God didn't tell us, but we know that people are, are dying all over the place. People are laying in their cots in their tents, baking with fever. Have you ever seen someone bitten by a poisonous snake? My youngest brother, Tommy, was a teenager. He was bitten by a rattlesnake. And uh, somebody handed it to him, and he put it in his hand. So if you grab up a snake, you're probably going to get bit. I mean, God says we can take up snakes. He said we could. He didn't say two. 
And so, and so I, I go to the hospital, I go to the ICU, he's, he's in ICU, and they say, this is your brother. And I said, this can't be my brother. I don't recognize this person. This person is swollen beyond recognition. As that poison was pulsating through his body, as he was burning up with fever, as he was swelling, death was rapidly approaching. And that's what's happening in our story in the Word. Many have died and others are dying. Family members, wives are watching their husbands. Husbands are watching their wives die. Parents are watching their kids die. Kids are watching mom and dad die. And it is horrible. They watch hopeless and helpless. There is nothing that they can do. There is no remedy. They cry out to God and God sends a remedy. And the word begins to spread through the Israelite camp. A little more than two million of them. The word begins to rapidly spread tent to tent. Person to person, the way the gospel spreads is to say, there's good news. There's a remedy. Moses put a big snake on a stick. That's almost what we named this sermon, a snake on a stick. But we thought it sounded like a Middle Eastern dish. So we, and so, and so put, the, put the snake on the stick, and if you look at it, you're going to live. And so guess what happens, man? People are in their tent. They're, they're dying. They're swollen up. They fall off their cots and they, they drag themselves out and, and they throw open the tent and they get a glimpse. They're, by faith, they're looking. As soon as they see that snake, boom, they're healed immediately as soon as they do it. But guess what? I want you to get this part of the story. If you're listening, say, I am. Many refuse to look. Many laid in their cots until the poison consumed them, and their flesh burned with fever, and death swallowed them. They simply refused to look. They were prideful. They were angry with God. They resented the fact they were mad at God that they had been bitten. All these things are going on. With their back to the snake, death sucked them in because they refused. They simply said, no, we will not look. Now, I want to tell you, some of you guys here this weekend, you're here because you were begged, you were dragged, you were, you were cajoled, you were, you were begged to come. You know why? Because we've all been bitten by sin, haven't we? And it has been the desperate prayer of some of your family and some of your friends and some of us that you would look to Jesus, that you look to Jesus. You say, you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That crutch, that religion's a crutch for weak people. Man, I'm, the church is full of hypocrites. Man, forget that noise. Listen to me. Death is waiting. Eternal death and separation from those who refuse to look. Because the poison of sin courses through all of our veins, does it not? Every single one of us. We've all been bitten by the serpent of sin. And we've all rebelled, but God made a way. God always makes a way. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish. Eternal separation from God, but have eternal life. That's why Jesus said, if I be lifted, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, if I be lifted up, I will draw men into myself. Listen, this weekend is your day. Today is a day of salvation. When you look to Jesus, you get a new heart, you get a new start. Are you with me? 
John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Easter is new life from old. Easter is resurrection from death. Easter is a brand new start. Easter is a brand new way. Easter is a brand new day. Because when Jesus climbed on that cross 21 centuries ago, he took, he took all the poison, all the sin, all the lust, all the adultery, every lie that you've ever told, every person that you had ever hurt, every person's ever hurt you. And Jesus paid the price for all of those sins. He paid it. He said, it's done. It's a telestine. It's paid for. Cha-ching. It's over. And then he rose from the grave to prove that what he said was true. I love Easter because Easter proves the devil lost in Jesus' name. Huh? Come on. Woo! Romans 6, 4 says this, Therefore we are buried with him through baptism, like unto his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too shall walk in what? Newness of life. Easter is a brand new life. Those disciples, listen, man, they were bummed out. They were discouraged. All their hopes were dashed. I love it when the two Marys come to Easter. They come on Sunday morning to bring anointing oils to, to anoint the burial. They should have brought some biscuits because the king was alive. They should have brought some hearties, some biscuits and gravy instead of something to anoint a dead body because Jesus was alive. My soul and body, don't bring me an oil. Bring me a biscuit. Woo, man, that's why I love Easter. But see, at Easter, we don't exalt the snake on the pole. We exalt Jesus, the Son of God, risen from the dead. Amen. The Bible says he's the Son of God. The Bible says he's the way to God. The Bible says he's the truth of God. The Bible says that he is the Lord of all. The Bible says that he is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. The Bible says he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. The Bible says he is the Lord and the Lion of Judah, and he is the resurrected King. The Bible says he is the Creator, and he is also the Redeemer, and he is the lover of our soul, and he is the sacrifice for our sin, and he's the only one that heals. The Bible said that death couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't keep him, and Jesus rose from the dead. Somebody help me preach in God's house this weekend. Come on, somebody. Get excited about this. My goodness gracious. Holy moly, your football team wins. You cheers. Jesus won, and he bought it for us. My goodness. Somebody help me. Woo, come on. Mm, mm, mm. My goodness, I've said it before, but right then's when I just wish I was black. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to get me a Hammond organ back here. I get some preach on, baby. We're going to have some music behind it. Oh, man. Come on. Now, let me tell you, some of you folks too highfalutin. You're just too big time for that, man. You need to get right with God. All right, come on. My goodness, we serve the resurrection. He is the bread of life, and he is the doorway to heaven. We look to Jesus. Now, let's be real. I want you to think with me for a minute. I know you're in church, and all your life you've been told not to think in church. <laughs> hadn't you? Come on, let's be real. Hadn't you? Listen, where else can you come and get your answers to your questions? Where else can you get your doubts satisfied but in church? So I challenge you to think. Listen, get, listen, all truth is God's truth. God's not afraid of truth. You're not going to outthink God. So, man, we, we welcome questions and doubting. But let's think together for a minute at all the stuff that we've tried. 
We tried politics. How's that working for us? See, we tried politics. We've tried war. We tried making more money. How's that making more money work? The more money you have, the more stuff you have, the more insurance you buy, the more maintenance you got, the bigger headache you got. See, another million dollars in the bank, another 10,000 square feet in your house, another 500 horsepower under your hood won't satisfy an empty soul. It just simply won't. It won't do it. Some people try success in business and school and all kinds of things. Some people try the lottery, and then they win and it ruins them. Some people try athletics, don't they? And man, whoa, when your team wins, everything's good. But guess what? All teams lose. And some lately more than others. <laughs> Alabama, your day's coming. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> I had someone said last service, they almost jumped up, said, roll tide. We'd rebuke that in Jesus' name. And so, <laughs> did that come out? Did, I need y'all to edit that from the tape, please. See, we've looked at academics, man. We've got PhDs and we've got it, man, out the, we, we've tried everything, everything, haven't we? And nothing fills the empty heart. Nothing satisfies the longing soul and nothing pays for our sins. Man, you want to get some clueless people, get a bunch of PhDs in the room. I'm telling you. Listen, there's nothing in the world that satisfies. What heals a a dark conscience? Now, as a dope dealer and a drug addict, can you imagine all the hellacious, horrific things that I did? And yet I don't walk around feeling guilt and shame because of my past, because my guilt hung on the cross, my shame hung on the cross, my blame hung on the cross, all of it hung on the cross, and I am free and fully forgiven, adopted, blessed in the beloved, seed with Christ, with all, blessed with all spiritual blessings, and I'm not walking around guilty. The world doesn't give peace, the world doesn't give joy, the world doesn't give victory, the world doesn't do that. The world is a dead-end street. The world is full of false promises. Let me tell you what else doesn't satisfy. Are you ready? This will shock some of you. Religion doesn't satisfy. Man, religion stinks in the nostrils of God. The greatest divides worldwide today are religion. Most of the wars that are fought today are fought about religion. Man, religion stinks. Religion is man trying to work his way to God. And when you get religious, all you get is guilty. Because you go to church or wherever you go and you get beat up every week and told how bad you are. Listen, you come to Faith Promise and we're going to tell you how good God is and how God loves you and how God will save you and God will bless you. This is the grace place. The grace place. And man, churches mock us all over each sin and says, I don't preach the gospel. They only say that because they've never been here. Because we believe this book from genuine leather to genuine leather. We believe, well, one of our values is God gets the last word. But let me tell you what, my beating and beating, listen, Jesus took my beating by his stripes am I healed. Are you with me? We don't have to beat people up with the Bible. I know we live in the South. If you don't beat people up, you, you know, people haven't been in church. Listen, man, it's about heart transformation. Are you with me? We all know that we've sinned, man. It's not about walking around being shamed. It's about walking around experiencing the love and forgiveness of God. Because my guilt hung there. Listen, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. 
And for the Son is set free is free indeed, that you show the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now listen, I'm sorry that you had a bad experience in church sometime. I'm sorry some preacher did you wrong or some deacon did you wrong or your, your church member neighbor's dog hockey's in your yard every night. I'm sorry that all that happens. I'm sorry that you went to church and had a bad experience. I am sorry. But listen, if you go to a bad doctor, does that mean you never go to another one? No, indeedy. I mean, I've met some shyster lawyers, but if I need an attorney, I'm going to go find a good one. Amen? And I've had some meals. Listen, I've been in some restaurants that sucked. I'm still eating. Why would you let some people that probably don't even know Jesus to block you from sinning? Why would you lay in the tent like those Israelites as the poison destroyed their body, refusing because of anger or pride to look to the bronze serpent? Why in the world would we not look to Jesus for forgiveness and healing? So somebody did you wrong. They nailed Jesus to a cross. They can do us wrong. That's all right. I'm not letting anybody block me from God. Are y'all? Come on, man, I want Jesus and all that he has got. Look to Jesus. Who else rose from the dead? This is not going to be very politically correct, but I have to give you some bad news. All roads don't lead to God. You know where Confucius is right now? Six feet under. You know where Buddha is? In a monument. You know where Mohammed is? Pushing up daisies. You know where Jesus is? Sitting at the right hand of God the Father, resurrected from the dead, praying for us. My soul, help us, Jesus. I'd talk about the grave couldn't hold him and death couldn't keep him and the demons couldn't stop him and the poison couldn't kill him and the sin couldn't slow him down because on Easter morning, he walked out of that grave alive and victorious, our king, our conquering hero, our master of the mighty, our captain of the heroes. He is the Lord Almighty. He is the author of life because he's the one that walked out of death. Let me ask you a question. Are you looking to him? Are you looking to Jesus? Because he's the only thing that fills the empty heart. Got to look to Jesus. Some of you are mad at God. You're mad at other people. You're prideful. You're this, you're that, or you're the other. But fact of the matter is, we've all been bitten. Hadn't we? We've all. Today by faith. Listen to me. Throw open the tent and look to the cross. Throw open the tent and look to the resurrected Lord. Throw open the tent and put your place. Look to Jesus because there you'll find forgiveness and there you'll find healing. There you'll find it. Right here. At the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light and my burdens were thrown away at the cross. Forgiveness and healing. Not a snake on a stick, but the Savior, the resurrected King, risen from the grave. You can find joy. Your conscience can be clear. You can have peace with God. So at all of our campuses, a few campus pastors at all of our locations would move forward as we wrap this up. The simple gospel is this, that we sinned, right? God sent his perfect son who never sinned and died on the cross for us. And we look to Jesus. We look to him. As some of you have said, Pastor Chris, man, I just don't know where I am. I don't, I don't know spiritually. God, I'm asking you, Abba Father, to open their eyes to sin, to separation, 
and to the power that belongs to you alone to give life. Open our eyes. And right now, if you'd say, hey, pastor, man, I just don't know. Or I know that I'm separated. I want to know that I'm saved. I want Jesus in my heart. I want him to be the Lamb of God. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands because all through this room, there's some guys that have a stack of books. I want to give you some things, just some things to help you get started in a walk with God. But in Easter 2013, if you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I want Jesus. I don't know where I am with him, but I want Jesus in my heart. If that's you, just slip your hand up. And keep it up till somebody gives you right here front, right there. Come on, hold him up high so people can see him. Come on, right there, right there. Come on, right here. Come on, right here. Over here, up in the grandstands. Come on, hold him up. Right here, thank you. Praise God for you. Come on, hold him up. Come on, church people are being saved. What, come on, let's hear something. Who else right now? Raise your hand, anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, right here. Right here, come on, raise them up. Listen, don't put them down. Jesus hung naked on a cross. You can raise your hand back in the back, Chuck, underneath that, uh, underneath there, back in the back, all the way in the back corner, back over there. Now listen, we're gonna pray a prayer with you that raise your hand as you open your heart to Jesus. We're gonna pray with you because we love you. We're a family. You say, it's a big family, it is. It's a big family. We all love God. So right now, with every head bowed, your eye closed, church, let's pray with them. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned, and I'm sorry. By faith, I look to you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. I will walk by faith as you change my life. Give me a new start and a new heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, Somebody give our Lord some praise in his house. Woo, man. Holy moly. Now, in that, in that pack that I gave you, there's a communication card. There's also cards in front of you. Anybody else that didn't get one, just keep your hand up. There's guys that are still walking around making sure everybody's got one. Now, listen, this is the deal. If you pray that prayer with me, either put it in your, either put it on the communication card or the one in front of you, or if you want somebody to call you, or you need to find a small group where you can learn the word together or serve or really, listen, this is a big deal. At Faith Promise, we're always about the next step because I don't care if you've been saved 31 seconds or 31 years like me, there's always a next step for God, isn't there? And so I want to challenge you to sign up for our next steps classes in two weeks on Sunday morning, same time as service and go to that and find out about us, how you can get more involved, what God is doing. Man, listen, we are thrilled you're here. Now let me ask you a question. Has it been good to be in God's house? Hadn't it? Now listen, I want to give you some good news. We do this 52 weekends a year. Come on. And so listen, we want to encourage you to come back because we love you. If you're a believer, you need the family of God. I need, listen, we're not dependent. We're interdependent. We're a community of Christ followers. We study the word together. We worship together. Come on. We've got multiple locations around Knoxville and we're expanding because God's doing a work here. And we want you to come be a part.